Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode number 33, which is called How to Kill the Vampires in Your House. Did you know that vampires are not a thing of the past? There is actually a vampire culture that is alive and well in our modern age, but they, of course, keep their identities a secret and they don't talk about it in the open but however when we all think of vampires we automatically envision this vicious creature of folklore that rise from their graves at night and suck the vital essence out of the living you know i looked this up the other day and the thesaurus actually lists 39 synonyms for vampire including Bloodsucker, vamp, Dracula, ghoul, monster, devil, undead, cannibal. But the bottom line is that we relate vampires to sucking blood and sucking the life out of someone. But most of us know there is more than one way to suck the life out of someone. And I say that somewhat facetiously. But I'm sure that some of my listeners have certainly been around someone, perhaps even one of your relationships, where the person literally seems to suck the life out of you. And one more fun-filled fact, there is actually a vampire killing kit. It's kind of interesting, and if you want to see what it looks like, I have a link to a page that actually shows what this kit looks like. But it contains a crucifix, a mallet, wooden stakes, a rosary, prayer book, a pistol, along with some other assorted articles. But what most of us never really think about is the vampires that actually live in our homes. But unlike the vampire killing kit of previous times, you can actually kill your vampires with your fingers. What I'm talking about here is vampire power. The one thing that we rarely think about, yet it's slowly sucking the life out of us and the planet that we live on. But before I get around to that, let's take a step back and look at the evolution of electronic and internet connected devices that have literally transformed our lives. The average number of internet connected devices is now up to about 10 per household. But that does not take into account all of the other electronic devices and equipment. There are some sources that I reviewed that stated that on average, there were as many as 65 devices and other equipment in American homes that are plugged in and permanently connected to electricity. And these things include T 
TVs, DVD players, coffee makers, blenders, washers, dryers, refrigerators, smartphones, computers, security cameras, lights, fans, sprinkler systems, routers, and even more. But when did this all start? But you know, these are all things that we we rarely even think about because it's just a part of our, our modern lives. But how did we get here? How did this all get started? Well, in 1879, a man named Thomas Edison invented the first long-lasting electric light bulb. And by the end of the 1880s, there were actually small electric generating plants in a number of U.S. cities that were based on Edison's designs. But for another 50 years, most Americans still lit their homes with candles and even gas lights. And by 1930, the majority of people living in larger towns and cities had electricity compared to only 10% of those that lived in rural communities or on farms. And in fact, my own mother recalled when she was really young, living on the farm in rural Georgia, recalled them not even having electricity. So there was an article that was written by a man named James Bryan that was published in 1929 that had an itemized list of seven to 11 electric devices that were commonly found in homes. And in fact, it's kind of interesting to look at the whole evolution of electric devices. And so I just want to hit some of the highlights. In 1882, electric Christmas lights were introduced. In 1890, the first electric hairdryer was patented. In 1891, the first electric vacuum cleaner was invented. In 1910, the waffle iron was introduced by General Electric. In 1927, the in-sync electric garbage disposal was introduced. In 1931, the electric can opener was introduced. So I have a link to this article in the transcript that's titled, What Came First? The Electric Appliances Timeline, if you really wanna read kind of a fun and interesting article. And you know, it's interesting because as I was working on this episode, it occurred to me to think about how many devices that we have plugged in at all times. And just maybe that is what my listeners are thinking about. Well, just how many devices does this guy have plugged in all the time? But you also have to remember that we are very, very conscious of this because of the fact that we live off the grid and everything that we have runs off of solar electricity. So how many devices do we have that stay plugged in all the time? Well, we have a grand total of three. The refrigerator and the freezer, of course, are plugged in at all times. And, but these are high efficiency DC appliances and both of these appliances running 24 hours a day use far less electricity than even one 50 watt light bulb. And the only other thing that stays plugged in all the time is my digital alarm clock. And I use this thing so honestly, so I don't have to leave my cell phone turned on all the time. <laughs> 
Um, but as I'm talking about this, I just remembered a really good book that I, that I read that I think is worth uh, reading if you're interested. It is called Henry and the Great Society, which was published in 1997. It's about, oh, about 120 pages long maybe, but to kind of give you a quick overview, Henry and his family lived in a rural area and they had no electricity. Their lives were quiet, peaceful, and very simple. And this entire book is based on the whole transformation of their family after they acquired electricity and so-called modern appliances. So it really, it's kind of a fast read and it's easy reading, but it's definitely worth it and you can still easily find this book if you're interested in reading it. But I, of course, think about how all of these things have changed the very way we even communicate with each other. And every time I sit in a restaurant and I see a family or a group of people at a table, and they're not even looking at each other because they are too busy looking at some sort of an electronic device. Or when I'm on a road trip and I pass a big family in a, in a van or an SUV and they're not even talking because they're too busy staring at some sort of device and it's typically their, their smartphones. So let me give you something to think about. I remember when I was growing up on the farm, it was not very common actually for people to even have a phone in their house. And if you really needed to talk to them, you had to drive to their home or drive to their farm. So we have progressed from that to the point that nearly half of all family members text each other while they are both at home and under the same roof. This is a huge transformation since the first mobile phones became available to the public in 1984. Okay, I'm kind of getting off, tra off track here, but so let's get back to my little my vampire story. But the point being is that technology from your coffee maker to your alarm clock to your cell phone to the internet has invaded every aspect of our lives all under the guise of course of saving us time work and money but that of course has not been the case but that's a different story so we get convinced by one means or another that we actually need all of these things and consequently we leave things plugged in all the time but many if not all of these appliances are using electricity even though they are turned off and in fact leaving inactive devices plugged in all the time translates into nearly 19 billion dollars a year which is about $165 per U.S. household on average, but it also translates into 500 megawatt power plants worth of electricity. As Americans, 
we are in fact using more electricity than ever. Presently, the average home uses about 11,000 kilowatts a year, and that is 16 times higher than it was in the 1950s. But the challenge is that we are all addicted to convenience, and part of that convenience is leaving things plugged in all the time. It is estimated conservatively that as much as 20% of our baseload electricity consumption is solely related to appliances and equipment in off or standby mode so that they can be powered up quickly. And these devices are, of course, still consuming electricity while in standby mode, and they're, they're sort of in idle mode, so to speak. So the issue is that many of these devices that were previously purely mechanical have now gone digital. So washers and dryers and stoves and refrigerators and thermostats and coffee makers, microwaves, etc. all have digital displays. And early estimates put our always-on consumption rate at about 10% but that has now been increased to approximately 23% of our monthly electricity usage is just simply the result of leaving all of our devices plugged in all the time. But you know, I wanted to make a little side note here that's that's kind of related and I was just I was reminded just recently of both of the advantages and disadvantages of modern technology. But you know, the last time that I purchased a new vehicle was about five years ago. And you know, I distinctly remember the salesperson talking about there are 23 computers on board. And of course, I was wondering about how much it's gonna cost to repair something, repair those computers if something goes wrong. So I just recently, took my truck in for service because the transmission was acting up. Well, it just needed a software update. And, you know, then I went home and saw my old truck, which is a 1998 Tacoma with over 350,000 miles on it, which I purchased in 2000. It has a purely mechanical transmission and nothing has ever really gone wrong with it. But anyway, all of this idle power consumption is referred to as either vampire power, vampire power, idle loads, or phantom loads. But, you know, I kind of like the term vampire power because of the connotation of sneaking up on you and sucking the life out of you before you even know it. But the point I want to make here is that every little thing you can do actually does make a difference. If you think about it, all of this idle power consumption costs each household about $165 a year in additional electricity, which really translates into $13.75 per month, which doesn't really sound like a lot. And I certainly know many people who spend that much money every day at Starbucks. But if every home in the United States reduced their always-on power consumption 
or eliminated it altogether, consumers would actually save $8 billion annually on their utility bills. And this would also avoid 64 billion kilowatt hours of electricity usage every year and would prevent 44 million metric tons of carbon dioxide pollution from ever even entering the atmosphere. And these are truly significant numbers considering all we have to do is make one simple small little change. So to put this in perspective, a Samsung cable box uses 28 watts of power when it is on and recording and it uses 26 watts when it is completely off. So that is that adds up to 19 kilowatts a month and 227 kilowatts per year even when it is turned off. And that is more than the average energy consumption per capita in the country of Mexico. And this is only one device. So remember that the average American household has 65 devices or other equipment that are always plugged in. And yet Annette and I have only a total of three devices that are constantly plugged in and using power. And that's the refrigerator, the freezer, and the, the one digital alarm clock. The simple fact is once upon a time there was a difference between on and off and now things are simply more complicated but you may be starting to wonder just what can be done about all this. Now you may not think that little things such as this can really truly make a difference but think of it this way. Every time you fill up your vehicle at the gas station, most people spill a couple of drops of gasoline on the pavement. And most of us, of course, give very little thought to that. But at the average gas station, that adds up to 1,500 liters over a decade. And multiply that by the number of filling stations across the country and do some simple math, and that comes to 25,200,000 liters per year or 2,100,000 liters per month, which is about 555,000 gallons. Now certainly if some oil company suddenly spilled 555,000 gallons all at once, it would be all over the news, yet we are consistently spilling that same amount every month by the simple things that we do. So let's circle back to this thought of vampires. Most of us never give much thought to all of those devices that are plugged in all the time, but it results in a tremendous amount of wasted energy and considering that the power plants in our country that produce our electricity account for nearly 40% of our carbon emissions and by eliminating this wasted energy, it could reduce our carbon emissions by 44 million metric tons, or 4.6% of our total annual carbon emissions. And that is truly significant.
So, you know, I'm willing to bet that if the IRS said to you that if you do this one simple thing, that will not really cost you any money at all, that we will reduce your income tax by 4.6%. I think that every single one of us would do what it is that they are asking. But all of this wasted energy cost us $8 billion annually. And do you realize that's more money than the annual budget of some of the smaller countries in the world? Imagine what $8 billion a year could do for our educational system. What if $8 billion per year were invested in renewable energy projects that actually produced clean energy instead of increasing our carbon emissions? Well, you know, fortunately you don't have to order this vampire killing kit, but you know, the key to eliminating vampire power is at the tip of your fingers. And the first tip I want to give you is to not wait for various policy changes that could be implemented in order to make our devices more efficient because waiting for such policy changes is similar to waiting for the next ice age, meaning you're not going to see it anytime soon. And the solution here is really very, very simple. Unplug your electronics. Unplug your devices. Unplug your appliances when they are not in use. Set your electronics to energy save mode when not in use. And even just turn off your monitors when they're not in use. You can do something as simple as using a power strip to turn off all of your devices at once. And this is the same as unplugging something from an electrical socket. And it prevents vampire power or phantom energy usage. Use more energy efficient appliances, especially those that are certified by the Energy Star program. Unplug devices when they are fully charged. Unplug small appliances when not in use, things such as your coffee maker and your microwave. The simple fact is that any appliance that is plugged in continuously draws power through the cord even when it is not in use. And you know that we all have numerous devices in our homes that do this. Computers, TVs, fax machines, printers, stereos, microwaves, garage door openers, coffee makers, toasters, and so on. So take advantage. I would encourage you to take advantage of the one thing that you can do, the one thing that you can control, and that is your excess energy consumption through vampire power. So kill the vampires in your house. In our culture, we take so many things for granted. We always assume that fresh water, electricity, food, gasoline, and many other consumable resources are always going to be available. But let me just say this. If you have ever tried to live off the grid, you will immediately become acutely aware of every single resource that you use. The best way to reduce our environmental impact is to focus on all the little things that we can do and the little things that are actually in our control. As I have said to many of my friends over and over again, 
You had better start learning the skills of sustainable living because there may come a time when you will not have a choice. A sustainable life really comes down to making better choices. Our choices make changes. And sustainability comes down to the kind of future that we are leaving the next generation. So just to wrap things up here, I do have nine different resources listed in the transcript of this episode, and there are links to various articles where I acquired this information, and there is a lot more there than I can mention in this episode, but I would encourage you to take the time to look at some of those articles, and it will convince you that you can reduce your energy consumption by as much as 23%. And in closing, I hope you have enjoyed this episode, and if so, please take the time to leave me with a review. And of course, please subscribe to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast, as well as my companion site, Off Grid Living News. This is your host, Patrick, signing off for now. I will see you again in the next episode next week. And always remember to live sustainably because this is how we build a better future.